It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Peason. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have two excellent guests for us today. Now, I know I say that every time, but they are really excellent guests. We have Heather Bonomo and we have Carly Miller. They're going to be joining us today. Now, Heather is an actress. She's a stunt actress. She's a motorcycle enthusiast. We can't wait to talk to her about her motorcycle or Riding the lines, being being extreme with with stunts. We'll talk about all of her stunt acting. It's fantastic. Then we'll talk to Carly Miller. Carly Miller is a, a I met her at the Sholo Film Festival. She's a great filmmaker, great producer, great writer. They're they're trying something new and something traditional. It's coming out very very well. I can't wait to see what they have coming up next. But we have a pack pack two hours. So let's just let's get people in here right away. So I can see that. Uh, I see that Heather's here, so let's bring her on. Heather, is that you? It is. Hi. How are you doing, Heather? I'm <laughs> everybody's so well. excited. Here, is everybody so excited to hear from you? How's everything going? <laughs> Everything's great. Everything's great. Good. Sunday. Good. So. Yeah, Sunday's day. Sunday's one of those wind down days. Yeah. But I know Sunday's a, a biker day as well. Now, before we start getting into any conversation like that, you know, you're not an L.A. native. Now, you came originally from Colorado, am I right? Correct. Colorado All right, Springs. Now, Colorado raised. Springs. Yeah. Now, that's so far from being a sunshine girl. And I, I, I actually lived there for several years. So I know that's the, uh, that's the grandma state as well. So that you get a lot of grandma bears and mama bears up there. What was it like growing up in Colorado Springs? You know what? I think that it was absolutely the best place for me to grow up. Um, I uh, I love I loved hiking and snowboarding, camping, and when I tried skydiving out there, and we would always go to the national parks. And nice. My dad is an outdoors type of guy, so he kind of set me up to be where I'm at right now. And I really yeah, and I love that. Yeah. So your your father was a very strong mentor to you growing up, then, huh? Correct, which is actually really funny because he is a computer engineer. So on the (laughs) weekends, we would do that. Right. But during the weeks, he would be out of town um, doing – so he he flies out of the country and he teaches other other countries how to properly program and work the computer – the computer programs and software. Right, right. So your, your father goes off works on computer programming. Then when he comes back to Colorado, he wants to hike and, and travel and do everything he can with, with his kids. Yep. That is what we did. That's nice. That's nice. Now, now yeah. where was your mother in, in this situation? Oh, she was absolutely a part of it all the time. She's, she's extremely supportive of whatever it is that 
anybody in the family wants to do. And she is, she is so incredibly, I know it's right now, it's kind of funny to say, but my mom, my mother is so independent that she was one of those people that was like, you guys don't have to wait for me. I'll just, I'll just be back here carrying everyone's bags. Oh, she's one of those, huh? (laughs) Yeah, she will. And she would be walking, but she would be literally carrying four or five bags with her and, you know, an umbrella and all that stuff just so that we could enjoy our camping trip and climb and Right. And run and, and jump in the stream and not have to worry about it. It was great. She was wonderful. <laughs> That's awesome. So you had your mother and your father, really a, a tr- really a, a nuclear and traditional family. If you think about it, down there in Colorado, it's so beautiful, it's so green. You get a, you get all the uh, the festives. You get the you get the green. You get the orange. You get all the colors. Other than in L.A. Uh, what, yeah, what, absolutely. I can actually see why it triggers you to want to move to LA, but just asking you personally, what, what kind of triggered you to move out to LA? Did you have the, the bug for acting early on or did it, did it come a little later no, on? In your life? I came out to Los Angeles to be a lawyer. I was going to USC. I transferred okay. out to USC um, so that I could be an entertainment lawyer, which is why I chose Los Angeles because I figured that was the most lucrative area of, right. of law. And law, the most yes. interesting to me since I had never been a part of it. Right. So that's why I chose Los Angeles. That's incredible. So you started your law, yeah. your, your law experience in Colorado, decided to come out to LA to become a entertainment lawyer. While you're out here, are you discussing with your parents that you're changing your mind? You're, you're kind of seeing how things are changing or, or how does that, how does that in your mind change? Because going from law to what you're doing now is, is pretty an extreme change. So when I was, I went through the last two years of school at USC and I had, when I moved out to Los Angeles, I started working in West Hollywood because that was the only area at the time, it was about 13, 14 years ago, that I could make enough money on Friday, Thursday and Friday nights to um, supplement any sort of income while I was going to school here. So I would drive all the way to to West Hollywood and I couldn't get there on time with the car because of the traffic. It was awful at four o'clock in the afternoon. So I ended up talking to my dad and my dad co-signed for me to buy my first motorcycle. And so what? I bought a motorcycle. And before this, mind you, what was I had first never, it was a Kawasaki Ninja. It was a 2008 <laughs> Kawasaki Ninja, yep. uh, 250. And nice. I, and I, it, everything kind of just went from there. What happened, and, and I had no interest in anything until closer to my graduation date when somebody asked me if I wanted to do a job. Um, uh-huh. And I, and because they didn't have any other women to ride, was that the, they was that the one on Castle? No one. No, uh, the job on Castle was something else. The the job that I'm referring to was a non-union. It was a non-union oh, really? job. Non-union. Okay. Um, yeah, and so they called me to do a job, and I mm-hmm. was like, I would absolutely love to. And it went really well, and I worked with a bunch of people, a couple of people that actually now are in the Stuntmen's Association. Um, and they told me that I was a great writer and that I should look into doing stunts. Wow. And I was, and I, so immediately that was one of the first things that I looked into when I was second guessing my choice to go to law school. 
after my undergrad. So, so what is it about motorcycle? What, what, what triggered your motorcycle experience? So did you have it early in your life? I've, I've ridden motorcycles my entire life, but I really didn't get serious into it until, until later on in my life. How was it like for you? I did not ride my first motorcycle until I got on that ninja at you're, you're, you're kidding. 20 years old. No. Really? No, I am not. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got the brains, you've got the beauty, you've got the skill. So I, I don't really need to ask you too many questions of what makes you successful in, in Hollywood. That's, 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 that's insane. You're talking about two wheels, even 250cc is, is a powerful bike. So how did, how did that click in? Yeah. Um, you know what? Honestly, I've always been a good driver. I've always been a good driver. I don't know what right. it is about driving that is so – it feels so natural for me. So right. when I – it took me a little while to pick up the motorcycle. And when I say a little while, I mean a few weeks. Right, <laughs> so right. when I finally got it, I had a bunch of guys driving me. I would just follow them. I'd be the mm. last one in line, and I would just fly through the canyons. And I remember we were going, my bike topped out at like 108 miles an hour or something like that. Nice. And we were going 108 miles an hour. I couldn't even keep up with them down the freeway through traffic dead stop traffic and I was like this is really dangerous right. there's just still something about it that I like feel very comfortable doing because I right. can still see everyone I can still watch and I can do everything and I just and I didn't right. have my first accident for nine years now I'm let me ask you about that accident because I saw some pictures of that that was pretty gnarly what, what happened there uh, which accident? I'm not sure. I I don't think the pictures you saw are the same accident. That, no, I don't. I don't think uh, they are because I think I think we're talking about a different accident. The one I'm talking about was where you had the eye patch on. Yeah, so that had nothing to do with motorcycles. That wow. accident was me going through a second story window and through glass on a movie that I just okay. did a couple years ago. Uh, not the I motorcycle. A couple years ago, and it was about a year ago. Oh, so please no, tell me about I the motorcycle no. accident you got into. I want to hear about this. So I actually took my I bought a I bought a BMW S1000 and then I ended up learning how to ride on that one for the most part. That's the one that made me really good. So my second bike after after that one was stolen, I bought a uh GSXR 1000 and it nice. was no 06 and I don't know <laughs> if you guys know anything about those bikes, but we it do. is Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> yes, they are. They, they're, so, we used to call them killing machines in the old days. My, yeah. my bike was a CBR F4i. Th- those bikes are incredibly powerful. It's amazing. And so I bought this bike, and it was the first bike that I went down on. I went down on Mulholland. But wow. I actually didn't – I mean, it obviously was my fault, but I went down. I, it was a right-hand turn. I was trying to go around a spider because mm-hmm. it was going too slow and I was kind of racing with these other guys that were riding on a Sunday right up Mulholland and I and it was right right through the snake and I went to go around this gentleman who was not being a gentleman to the motorcycle riders oh, and right. I ended up going down it was either on the paint or the gravel. We have it on camera, but nobody actually could tell exactly what it was. Right. So I went down, I low-sided, and then at exactly the same time, someone came around the other curve, and I was in their lane, and they ran over 
my, the front end of my bike, my arm. The front end of your frame? No way. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And so he not he knocked me out. He flipped over and his bike flipped, he flipped everything and I he knocked me out cold. Everyone wow. thought that I was dead and yes. they ended up um I was 8 minutes out cold. I <laughs> nobody wanted to move me ever. I just, they just had me yeah. laid, laid yeah. out in the middle of the street. Absolutely. They turned me onto my back. Nobody took off my helmet. They did a great job. Everyone did a wonderful job. Um, yeah. And then apparently I woke up. Um, I, I, they had a helicopter come in. They picked me up. I was told that I was very funny, that I was cracking jokes left and right. And then I had, <laughs> I had, I don't, I didn't have a lot of answers for things, yeah. but I definitely was still, I was conscious and I was, yeah. and I wasn't, you're you just know, a little drunk. Completely, completely out you're, yeah. Just a yeah. little, you're just a little drunk. That's exactly what it was like. Yeah. And so they, they flew me to UCLA. I got into the hospital. Apparently, they great cast the wrist. They cast it incorrectly. Um, wow. <laughs> right after I right they, after I said great hospital, he put he, they put no, the wrong cast on. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, it was it was a student. You know, they were doing their thing. They were yeah. learning. And and truthfully, UCLA is my favorite hospital. I love the Mine one in too. Santa Monica. It's a wonderful but hospital. But UCLA is my favorite hospital. It's amazing. Yeah. I would take that over hospital. any hospital in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, so, USC, some USC-specific doctors, they work very, very well as well. But UCLA is just such a fantastic hospital. I agree with you. Agreed. Agreed. And I have worked with a lot of UCLA. My my dentist went to UCLA. There's <laughs> a lot of people that went to UCLA. Yeah, I went to, I went to USC, UCLA. To USC, I, but, I went to UCLA, um, but, but yeah. UCLA hospital is my favorite. Uh, the people, the situation, the, the way they work with you, the, it's the follow-up, all the follow-up appointments, everything. It's, it honestly, there was only one doctor that I worked with that made things worse. The oh, rest really? of them honestly were wonderful. What, what was that so, guy's problem? I, they ended up, it was a chick. <laughs> oh, what was that chick's problem? Unfortunately. It was that chick's problem. It was a chick. <laughs> oh, she just would not listen to me. She would not listen to me. Oh, I was like, worst. this is an issue. And she was like, we'll deal with it later. And then I went back to deal with it later. And she's like, oh, we should have dealt with it then because we could have done something. But now we can't. And you have to wear this boot for the next six months. And I was like, what? <laughs> You're an idiot. Seriously. And yeah. it affected my work significantly because I couldn't, I could not put my, my foot in a heel. I couldn't right. put my foot in a heel. And she had, she refused. I should have gotten someone else. I should have just. Were you, having pro- were you having problems with your dorsiflexion with the, with the, with the mo- mo- mobility of your ankle? Well, what happened is um, in, in that joint, yeah. um, all of the bones had cr- basically crumbled. And they right. were they filled up the joint. I don't remember exactly what that's called, but right. they filled up the joint the between the cartilage and the bones, and they started uh-huh. making these little spurs and and like little little chunks of bone. And I don't know. It's like it's like an eyelash in your eyeball. It's just un- right. you can't <laughs> you can't. Right. But with your foot, it's ten times worse, and it's extremely painful. But it's just, right. You can't. I can. I couldn't put enough pressure on my heel. So, Jeez. whenever they it flexed, the amount right. of pain that was shooting through my entire body was unbelievable. And I did right. do a few jobs with it like that. And it was just funny how 
I was like anything to take my mind off of my ankle at this point. I'm like, literally throw me out of this building, <laughs> throw me down the stairs, do something. Get my that must, have, of that must have really leaped your career in bounds at that moment. Like this woman just wants to be thrown through walls for some reason. You have and no have idea. They have no idea why. <laughs> Does this woman have a secret death wish? I would have done anything. <laughs> I would have done anything. That's hilarious. Yeah, so, it's so funny how that works. So when was it from that from that moment from that accident that you started riding again? You started getting back on your bike. And, and by the way, what did, so wait, as, what did your parents? Well, one second before you get to that, what did your parents say to you while you were in the hospital? Let me, let me get oh, to that. Oh, so here's the thing. So because I was out for eight hours and I don't even I still right. those now haven't come back to me. This has caused significant brain you know issues for right. me, and so we're currently <laughs> still in the middle of dealing with things. Right. So my, I don't ride on the streets anymore, but I do still do the track thing and I still okay. do all those things. But my dad got a phone call from the, the police officers no. when I, when I had gotten into the helicopter and I was on my way to the hospital. And I guess I did give them my phone number or I handed them my phone. I'm not really right. sure how that happened, but either way, um, right. they called him and they were just, they said, Hey, uh, your daughter's been in a motorcycle accident. And they just like ended it at that. And <laughs> my dad was sitting there waiting for them to tell him that yeah. I had died. Right. And he, I don't know how long, it maybe only 30 seconds, but that had to have been the worst 30 seconds of his entire life. Right. Where he's just sitting there waiting for them to say something. <sighs> and then one of them, I guess, said, are you still there? Like, did you even care kind of thing? Right. And my dad was like, yes. And the officer said, we, ha- we don't have any more information for you. She's on her way to the hospital right now in UCLA. And that's about that. My dad was like, and then my dad just had to wait and then call <sighs> UCLA and try to find out where I was at and what was that's happening. That's crazy. Just, yeah. And so for that reason, I feel very, very, very badly. You know, I got to t- tell that, you, the way, the way motorcyclists are treated a lot of times, is, is, it's pretty rough. They treat us pretty rough because they, they, a lot of times they think it's our fault. So we're, we're treated a oh, little yeah. rough in that way. Yeah. Please continue. I mean, that was, that was kind of my fault in all fairness, but right. it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't intentionally like I wasn't being reckless. I just wasn't, I'm, you know, I actually don't even remember it. So I can't, right. I can't fully tell you, but some it's, days a, are, it's, are it's a, it's a razor's edge. Yeah, it's a razor's yeah. edge. I mean, we both know that. And you, you take one slip to the left, one slip to the right, and it's, it changes everything really fast. That's the thing about a motorcycle is, is that you are spot on. And something else I wanted to ask you about motorcycles. I was discussing this with a friend of mine who's in the hospital right now who's having ankle surgery because of a, a motorcycle accident. He was mm-hmm. giving me he, – and he's talking still about getting motorcycles, getting more. He, he wants to fix up his Gixxer uh, before he gets the pins in his ankle or anything. He's talking – about his motorcycles, and I and I had to ask him what is what is your fascination right now about getting your motorcycle back? I don't understand because you haven't even had surgery yet. He goes, you know, it's just really convenient. I just liked riding it in the way that I can fit in between cars. He was giving me a lot of really mathematical answers, but that's not really why we ride motorcycles. We, I mean, motorcycles have a lot of like human experience, uh, the wind blowing in your face, feeling close to the earth, being observant of everything at all times. Would would you agree or disagree that these are the primary reasons of why we ride motorcycles? I fully agree. My somebody had asked me that, and there are 
probably a hundred different reasons why everybody right. rides motorcycles. I don't think there's one exact reason, but right. my my best answer is that when I'm on a motorcycle, I I don't think about anything else. Right. I do focus on exactly that. And that yeah. and there are very few times in your life where you have the opportunity to just focus on the present on exactly right. that moment. And, and it's so important. Your life is dependent right. on that. And I'm and and it's nice knowing that you need to be there and that you need to be good at something and you are right. good at something. Right. So it's just a, it's very, it's, it's a, I think that that is the reason and the best explanation that I can give someone. Right. I agree. So you get into this motorcycle accident, you're, you're pinned up, you're going through restoration, what have you. How long does it take for you to recover from this, this big accident of yours? So, I mean, I don't know if I've ever fully recovered right. from it. And that's the part. Maybe that should be the question. Uh, have you ever fully recovered from it? No, but with that being said, I did break my wrist. It, he told me, you know, six weeks, it took five, which was great. The entire time I was working out and I was, uh, I was, I fixed my own motorcycle, which was the first time I've ever done that because I've never right. crashed a motorcycle before. I didn't know wow. how I honestly learned so much about my bike. So that was cool. Right. And then I fixed that and I still, I still have that bike. That bike is my street bike when i go out on the streets that's still my bike um so i still ride that bike i love that bike i and i have been the fastest i've ever been on a bike was on that bike that bike is my heart it really honestly has my heart but it uh i took that one the odometer said (laughs) the odometer and yeah so it's more like 220 right (laughs) well i mean i know they cap the bikes at a certain speed right. and sometimes it's slower yeah. sometimes it's faster it's whatever my, so, C, my cdr my, fri had a cap as well so I, I knew for a fact that i i maxed that thing out so many times yep i had an fri i had a 600 uh, the, is it, did they only make them in 600s or did they make them in yeah no they only made them in 600s okay yeah so i i had an fri and that thing was stolen off the back of my truck a few oh. years ago I'm a little bummed about that one wow that is weird. That which, which color was it it was the red and white one. Oh, the classic one, the two like the two thousand five version, two thousand four version. Yeah, that yes. is, yeah, that is Love sad. That wow, that is a great bike to, to 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 have and a horrible bike to lose. So I know. So what got, what what got you in, into acting? I and we we hear about your family family inspiring you. I don't know what in the world got you into motorcycles the way it did and got, you know, that, that's just one of those phenomenal things that just interest you. But what, what, what led you towards acting as well? Was it the, was it stunts leading you towards acting or was it, was it the other way? Well, around? I actually don't, I actually don't act. I've, okay. I've never been cast as an actor. All hmm. of my, even if I'm cast as a character, it's, I have a stunt contract. I've never right. been cast as an actor. Um, the only, so I do, I do have my quote unquote acting role, but you do I'm never, and you, you do have an yeah, acting, thing, never, acting presence on IMDb as well. Yes. And it's funny that that is the case, but I, the only, <laughs> the only ones that <laughs> I have on there that I can, that I can say and confidently say, I didn't really do stunts. They t- I technically, technically did, but they were just little spoofs. <laughs> Um, YouTube videos for right. some of my actually some of my bosses at 
Terminator and that like couple of things wow. that I so I would do little things like that for some of my friends. Right. And people that I really do appreciate and wanted to be a part of those and I had a lot of fun doing those. So those well, are probably first... the ones where I did acting, acting. <laughs> right. Well, your first but union jobs, really for, yeah, yeah. But your first act, first uh, union jobs for your stunt work are incredible, and your first ones. I mean, working on, on a gigantic show. I mean, how does how does that work out? They just somebody shows you just show somebody a reel, and it just happened for you, or how did you well, get into stuff? There's actually a so so there are a bunch of sites uh, there that are specifically dedicated for you know phone books for stunt people. So we all right. join those when we have some kind of credibility behind what we do. Um, not everyone can join them. They do, a lot of people pick those apart a little bit, but right. we, I, I joined one of them and I sent out a bunch of my headshots to all of the stunt coordinators that I could get information from and for and which jobs they were doing. Right. And I sent one in. I actually, my very, very first job was on uh, bad teacher, doubling Arnie oh, Trainer. What and a great show! I didn't. I know, and it was. I was a great double for her, and but we didn't do anything. We uh, yeah. we. She ended up doing her own thing, the stunt that they wanted to do. They didn't. Mm. They. So he hired me a second time, or he he wanted to get me another job, so he sent me in for uh, this for Castle, which mm. at that point it was a character, and I had right. lines, and I went in and I read for these lines. And I had never done that before. It was my first audition, and I booked the role. And I was like, I was right. so excited. I had, it was, it was a big thing, and they cut <laughs> all of the lines. They cut, no. They cut all the time I got on set, all of them were gone. And I was. That's hilarious. I couldn't tell if it was me or if it was just that. <laughs> Everyone said it wasn't me, but <laughs> no, right. maybe I'm a terrible <laughs> But I did look girl. It was great. <laughs> great. Great. <laughs> and then, yeah, so I did that one. And that was, and, but that, that coordinator is known for hiring people for their first jobs. He puts that on. He, oh, that's he makes, nice. Yeah. He makes his career at this point doing that um, for people so that they can have an opportunity to then go work for more people. Right. And That's that awesome. is great. And I absolutely love that. And so he gave me two, which is what started me on my way. It was, it was wonderful. Oh, that's amazing. You know, and it, did you, did you get paid? Did you get paid to the same scale for your, for your talking job, even though they took it away from you? They had to pay. You yeah. The same uh, well, it was, <laughs> yeah, but I was still on as a stunt person i didn't get hired yeah. as an actor so i so it was, yes i got the same thing <laughs> well you you have a yeah. you have a, a long list of, of different stunts what, what, what stunt after this is it sets an impression in your mind is, is something that that you're very proud of oh because i can tell you about your i can uh, ask you about your entire career but you know you have so many credits I mean, I don't want to do like guess guess your career by IMDb. That's what I, I don't want to do that with you. But I, I definitely want to ask you the, the questions of you know what, what what would be a what is a satisfying job that you had uh, right after that, that that made you know that this was the right career for you. You know, I I think it took a little a couple of years before. I, I knew that we were going that direction and I was so mm -hmm. happy being on set, but it took several years before anybody would trust me enough to hire me for anything 
remotely stunt worthy. Everything like was very small. Yes. Right. So um, there were the, everything was me sitting in a car as a passenger, or cause, hmm. because that's that's what I did when I worked on American Sniper, and I got to double right. Sienna Miller, and it was great. That's but she awesome. didn't have any stunts. So it was just me making sure if the car, when it went over the median, that it didn't flip over because right. there was a good possibility that that could happen right. um, in that situation. So we, so it was just little tiny jobs like that, but being able to work with those people and around those people and, and sitting in those passenger seats and watching the drivers was the best part of that because you can learn so much from just being there and seeing that. And I and I thought I want to, I want to ride bikes and I want to drive cars. That's what I want right. to do. So I, that's what I put the majority of my time and effort and money into because training to do that is very expensive. <laughs> it is very expensive. Training to do anything in stunts is expensive, but motorcycles yeah. and cars top the, yeah. yeah, top that one. Let me, let me ask you, let me ask you a question before we move on. Have you seen the movie uh, Hooper? Um, with Burt Reynolds, I feel like I feel like I should plead the fifth on this one because <laughs> what? I I know what movie you're referring to. Yeah, and no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh my gosh! And the There's worst one... part about that is that I opened a restaurant in Santa Monica, and we were yeah. donating money to the tourist awards, and I created a drink with Red Bull <laughs> in it, yeah. and I called it the Hooper. It literally <laughs> because of that movie, and I've never, wow. I've never seen it. And anybody who is listening to this is probably gonna punch me for this later, but I have not. I have not seen it. Have you have you ever met your heroes and they broke your heart? Heather, you broke my heart. You, you broke my heart. You got you got you got to you got to watch Hooper. Come on, you got to watch Hooper. I mean, I super- know. Oh, I know. anyways, you know what? I was. <laughs> I will. I promise. Promise. Okay. But uh, there's this one great scene where a chimney chimney pipe comes down and it misses the Trans Am by literally about ten feet. And what, what I what I wanted to ask you was was have you ever gotten that close? Like where you're like, oh, thank God. Like done done a stunt where you're just so close to that 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 point of, of making a mistake. Um. I don't think so. Mm. I have I have been lucky enough. I mean, yeah, no, I've been lucky enough. I've heard all the stories from all of my friends, and with the exception of the few things that, you know, with a glass in my face and and whatnot, with those those right. things that there was no controlling that. I mean, right. I I haven't had those situations yet. But I know right. what will happen because they always right. do. Well, they ha- they have and then happen. I'll call you yeah. back and I'll tell you a really good story. <laughs> then we'll have a new story for a new episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're, you're already doing great. And I met you several times. I met you at Tours Awards. I met you at a couple of different stunt events as well. Uh, you've always been very pleasant, uh, a very good person, uh, bright eyes, and uh, very happy. Very happy-go-lucky. So that's, that's a very good thing. Uh, Mash, you, you worked in... in not only with Kristen Stewart once, you worked with her twice, right? You worked with, her with Veronica Mars, and then you worked with her on on uh, The Good Place, right? Um, so 
I believe you're referring to Kristen Bell. Oh, Kristen, did I say and Stewart? The, Please, yes. God, <laughs> let's just forget I said that because Kristen Bell is is my <laughs> is my girl. I'm so sorry, Kristen Bell. I'm so sorry. I just saw her. I just saw her at a fashion event like two months ago. And asked her to watch my radio. Please don't listen to my radio show. Kristen Bell, please don't. And Dax, don't, don't listen. So, okay. So you worked with Kristen Bell on both. At least I got them right. Veronica Mars and yeah, The Good you Place. Did. You were, yeah, and you, got a, a, you worked on The Trolley Problem, which was a, a fantastic episode, by the way. Um, oh, my gosh. I, it really I, I'm was. Obsessed I with just that show. rode a bicycle. I rode a bicycle. So I <laughs> did just almost didn't get hit by the trolley. Yeah. But we, I was. I was going really slow, and they were. Yeah. So it was actually pretty. It was yeah. really good. It was well done, and I yeah. enjoyed that show very much. I was so excited to work on it. Yeah, and the is coordinator it, of that show is wonderful. Really, Sean Graham is a great coordinator. Yeah. Oh, Sean Graham. Yeah, he does a great job. Yeah, and I worked with him on a on a commercial, a Toyota commercial. It was it was absolutely wonderful. I got to I got to zip line across some buildings downtown. It was like oh, a geez. hand, just a hand. Oh gosh, it was so like fun. almost like almost like Batman, Dark Knight. How was that? Uh, <laughs> it was it was a lot like that, uh, ju- just like that. <laughs> 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 but uh, so no, it actually the the space in between the two buildings was only about thirty forty feet, maybe tops. Whoa, uh, maybe fifty. But it right. was, you know, it was a four story drop, and then it was fifty. Uh, 10 stories up. So it was, it was enough that if I fell, I mean, it probably wouldn't have gone well for me, but it was so much fun. It's like the job that everyone wants to do. They're standing there. The whole crew is like, oh, right. bummer. <laughs> it's so much fun. I always did, did you have to do it in heels though. And that oh, was did you? difficult landing daintily in heels was no, not we, the easiest you, thing. Were you one of the group that that they had to decide on whether to kill or not to kill? Oh, the, so the, that one for sorry, we are going two different directions completely. That's yeah. I'm just now going off on tangents. Okay, so I was <laughs> Don't worry about I was not in either one of those groups. Okay. I was just one of the people. Oh, you were off to the side. The, yeah, and you uh, actually, and I've watched the show. You can't even yeah. see me. I'm not even in the episode. Really? But which was <laughs> yeah, but. It was. I got a little tiny piece of what I was doing in that episode, but it has You wouldn't even. You wouldn't even think about it. Right. It was that was like working on Veronica Mars with her. I mean, this, so that's your second time working on the set with with her. So it was. I actually. I really respect her and her husband. Um, Dax Shepard. Because I got yeah. to work on chips with her husband. Um, oh my god! Is, I didn't even make that connection. That's hilarious. Yeah, she is such a pleasant human being. She's and I, great. And so I didn't, I didn't get to talk to her a lot personally because I wasn't mm-hmm. doubling her. I wasn't doing anything specifically for her. But when I was right. working on the other two episodes, we did one of them. She wasn't there that day, and then the other one, she she was. And we were doing a beach day when we there was there were some explosions. We were just running and and everyone was falling and trying to carry each other and. And she was she's she's so nice to work with that yeah. I would love to work on any show she ever does in the future. 
And that's, she, she, that's nice to say because you don't always get to say that about the actresses. <laughs> no, you don't. No, when I, you know, what's interesting is I, I didn't like Veronica Mars very much, the TV show when it first came out. And then I saw her mm-hmm. on Craig Ferguson. And she did the Craig Ferguson show for several times. And I just fell in love with her. And Dax Shepard, I saw him several times on Ellen. And I, I'm an, I just started falling in love with him. So the both of them together, I just I love them both. Chips was a was a you know that's going to be a deep Easter cut to see the, like to see you in three different properties of a Kristen Bell show. I was going to ask you, do, do you think it's perhaps because you look a little bit like her that you got casted for those those series? Uh, I don't believe so whatsoever. The uh, coordinators are usually the ones that will cast the ND players, right. and in those cases. Um, the I, I just so happened to be around when they got calls that they needed certain they needed certain a certain number of people for the ND spots for the stunt players and they were like hey what are you doing tomorrow hey what are you doing tomorrow hey what are you doing tomorrow <laughs> and I'm like oh, well, I'm working with you <laughs> I guess <laughs> I am with you. so yeah they actually had nothing to do with that they were just convenient convenient spots at that time. Well, you you've got a, a a fantastic show resume. I mean, I've seen everything you've done. You know, one thing I did want to ask you because you you, you did go from a comedy and action oriented to like Better Call Saul, which is more of a drama. Yeah. So we a lot of times we don't expect a lot of stunt work for that, but you worked on that episode. On Better Call Saul. Yeah. Or on okay, so I I went out to New Mexico, and yeah. uh, Ray Seahorn uh, is the one that I is the one that I doubled and okay. she she's I say that I'm like that I'm right right see now I'm now I'm double guessing that one. <laughs> um so she anyway um so she is absolutely lovely and I was a great yeah. double for her at the time and I had to drive and basically she's in the middle of the desert she's she's trying to she gets her car stuck in the sand and we have to we rigged it so that we could just pull it and it would start rolling itself right. to down the sand and so it starts rolling and rolling and rolling and she starts running after this car and she has to jump in and stop it right before it hits this this um i actually don't know if it was an oil rig like or it was oh. Oh. yeah it was this just giant <laughs> And so I had to decide to run after this car, jump in the car and stop the car right before it hit this right. uh, brick. And it was, I mean, our, our, our end mark was probably a couple feet in front of this, in front of this thing. And so it, we nailed it perfectly. And I say we, because I got in, I hit the brakes and I, I got there, but there was a guy that they stuck in the back seat yeah. <laughs> to pull it, to pull a line to, for the break, just in case I didn't make it into the car and hit the oh, <laughs> And he was like, he goes, if he can, if you get to the point where you can then see the actual like shovel, you hit the brakes. And so I know he right. did it right as he could see it. And right as I was hitting the brakes too. So I think right. together the both of us probably stopped <laughs> that car fully exactly in the spot we were supposed to be in. So it was funny. That's awesome. You know, yeah, you, you got, you've gone through a lot of experiences, and you, like you said, you you haven't fully recovered from the one accident you had on that on that highway. How's it like working now? Uh, does the focus just kick right in, or do you have some, do you sometimes have kind of an issue? Um, 
Are there any? No. Any? Oh yeah. No, I have no no problems with anything like that. I'm absolutely. Right. I'm I'm fully. Because there's focused, no way you can do what you're conscious. doing. Yeah. Absolutely, I wouldn't, and, and I wouldn't even want to try to do it if that were the case, um, because that would put other people's lives yeah. in, at risk. Right. And I would never, ever, ever even consider that. Right. When I say it's a, you know, it's sometimes it's still an issue. It's just because I can't, I can't spell the way right. that I used to, and I can't, you right. know, those tiny little things where I'm like, what? I used to. Right. Be They're annoying to you. Yeah. Amazing in school, and now my memory is a little short. And just right. certain things like that. Like I haven't, and I never will fully recover from it, but I'm working on it as much as I can, right. but I would, but they don't affect me in any way in that form. Yeah. So I never, I think, I think you, I think you fully recover. I mean, if, if, if there's anybody out there who's strong <laughs> enough to recover from this, it's you. So I really, I oh, wouldn't worry you. about that too much. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so you worked extremely hard. So you have a little bit of that, that stuff going on and then you go into your next shop so it doesn't really make you hesitate at all to to get on your bike and start riding again after that huge accident. Nope. I did it within uh, – as soon as my bike was fixed, as soon as my cast was off, I went out the day after. Wow. And the same thing when I crashed. I There was a there was a small little crash. I was It was 118 degrees outside. I was on the track. <laughs> we, were, we were going kind of fast. Yeah. I ended up breaking That's my shoulder. That's going to happen. Um, oh. Yeah, my ankle, my kidney. I split my kidney in half, and so when, when I got everything was finally healed enough to where I could actually ride a bike, I got back on the track. I got I went to the first track day that I could go to that wasn't 118 right. degrees, um, right. and you know started riding again because my I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm afraid to get on a right. bike. I do not right. ever ever ever. I don't necessarily think I ever would. I don't think I have that right. that feeling, but I just want to double check and, and reconfirm that one. And <laughs> but but you did stop riding always, in the streets. I did, but that's not because it's because I don't I don't enjoy it. I do not right. enjoy having to worry about every single thing on the every person, every pedal, right. every. You know, because they right. don't clean the streets, and they and the people they not. really honestly aren't paying attention, and they don't care. And and luckily, my my bike is loud enough, so it's it's much easier than some people's <laughs> bikes. But you well, that's know, the reason it, why we put those loud pipes on. Yeah, right. I, we, I know, we, and I bought it with loud pipes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Dual Brothers and Yoshi go. pipes. Yeah, it's like you know, yeah. I want I want to be seen and heard. Yep. So Mine's you, you Yoshi, didn't? I believe. You, oh, you had a Yoshi. Yeah, I still do. Still on there. <laughs> so no, so no fear. This girl go, goes back on her bike, goes goes and uh, you know as fast as she can again. Now, did you mention another accident you got into where you slid on, you slid on 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 the uh, on the pavement on the track? Um, so that wasn't. I didn't actually slide on the pavement. I went fully off the track in the gravel. No, I hit gravel, and that's why my bike ended up doing this. 15 foot flight yeah and uh i did a couple tumbles and that i did i i split my split my kidney in half i uh my shoulder i i, I have no labor you are a hardcore wow <laughs> that's the one where my ankle i couldn't walk in heels and i was talking to the doctor and the doctor because they at basically the um after they put my shoulder back in at the track <laughs> I had someone drive me down to the hospital and when I went to the hospital UCLA um yeah I 
everybody was more concerned about my shoulder than they were about my ankle because they couldn't really tell what was going on inside my ankle. And it looked fairly normal. And they were like, well, nothing's broken. You're fine. We'll deal with it later. And that's when that doctor had told me. And and then another few weeks later, she told me she'd deal with it again later because my shoulder was just that much of a, and my kidney were much bigger issues. And then when it came down to it and I was like, all right, well, it's time to deal with it. Let's deal with it. She was like, oh my gosh, you should have told me to deal with it then because this can't be dealt with now. Now it's too bad. Now you've walked on it and you've ruined it. Now we can't can't fix it. And I was like, oh, what? thank you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that, lady. I <laughs> know. I was not not thrilled with her. She's that that to me makes me feel like she's a bad doctor. It pretty but much. I shouldn't have to tell you that more than once or no. twice. Like if I I shouldn't have to tell you what your job is. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, well, yet again, you're in a motorcycle accident. What, what, do, what do you? What do you? What do your parents say to that? Why do you um, still ride? That one. Oh, I feel so badly. So that was on Father's Day, and oh. I actually didn't tell. Yeah, I know. I didn't tell my dad because so I had like three percent battery when I finally got back to the hospital, and I didn't want to say anything until I found out if I was okay or not. I was like. Right. We just want to, I just want to double check this, you know, cause I right. know obviously my shoulder is broken, but right. when I get out of the hospital, they won't even let me out of the hospital. I'm, they put me into a room and they're like, you are not moving anywhere for days and we're probably going to wow. do surgery and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to call my dad. <laughs> so <laughs> I had told my mom originally, I got a text message from her. I was on the track. I had crashed like three minutes before, after the uh before after the my mom had texted me or wait sorry i'm like thinking about i just heard something i said um (laughs) the (laughs) i had gotten a text message from my mom while i was on the track and three minutes before after i crashed and it said hey heather hope you're riding well today hope everything's going well thinking of you and and i was literally on the ground with my shoulder out of place and my kidneys split in half and and my mom was like I don't know I could just tell and so when I called her and I said hey mom I'm on my way to a hospital right now I I did crash I I my shoulder I dislocated my shoulder I didn't tell her that I broke because I didn't know I broke it I "I dislocated my shoulder I'm just gonna go and double check make sure everything's okay but I feel fine Right. Um, and she was like, okay. She goes, is this like a Heather I'm okay or like a normal people I'm okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's sad is I understand exactly what she means by that. I know. <laughs> right? And then it was just funny because she, she does that. And then I yeah. I ended up uh, going to the hospital and finding out it was significantly worse than I actually thought it was. And then I, so I had to call my dad. And I, and I I was like, well, they're going to keep me here for a couple of days because if it doesn't get better and my kidney starts eating itself, I'm going to have to get my kidney removed. And um, and everyone was – my dad was just like, all right, well, uh, feel better. I love you. Uh, happy Father's Day. Later. Yeah, I'm like, I'm so sorry. He's like, it's fine. And then he was here the day he flew into town. He was waiting for me to get off work the day the glass went through my face. I'm telling you, Jeez. my poor parents, I just normally like a lot of times people don't tell their parents things. And I wouldn't except for I don't have a choice half the time because I am. T- by the way, I just want you to know this because I think this is really important. My mother is calling <laughs> me right now. 
<laughs> because she has, I swear to God, she has a sixth sense about everything under the sun. <laughs> Talking about her? There it is. Well, it's funny. A lot of people are calling into the studio, and I haven't gone to any of the phone calls. Listen, if you want to call in and you want to talk to Heather, <laughs> give us a call at 515-602-9609. Again, 515-602-9609. And if I don't want to get to your phone call, uh, tough luck. Uh, I'm, I'm keeping her hostage. <laughs> no worries. We also have a chat room if you want to talk in there, and I'll, I'll take some of those answers as well. We have a large crowd waiting to listen to you. So tell me about uh, – you, you said you had a restaurant, right? I did in Santa Monica. Huh. How it's was still that? open, but I, I sold it to my business partner because I was I, I was doing too much stunt work at the time and You're I just, just working didn't so have time hard. to dedicate it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. How was that? I was owning a restaurant and, and also being very popular in the in the uh, movie scene. Well, uh so I actually had a lot of stunt people come into the restaurant and, and visit me there and they we would because I was there all the time. But it was I loved my restaurant i loved my restaurant oh my gosh the food yeah. was so good and the, yeah. the you know i had i had put blood sweat and literally put blood sweat and tears into mm-hmm. the design of the place and you know there was my business partner and i had differing opinions on a lot of things and he tried to save right. money so it didn't always right. not everything was up to my standard but right I, um but i absolutely absolutely loved that restaurant and it is still open i do not know if it's the same thing if they serve right. the same foods if they have the same employees or if they have not, a hooper on there if they if they definitely don't have a hooper on there <laughs> <laughs> but it is it yeah it was an it was on the east side of santa monica so it was closer mm. to the 405 yeah i know where, i know where that it is was, it was lovely that's awesome. Yeah. Now, is owning a restaurant almost the same kind of drive as riding a motorcycle? Because that, that's those are risky businesses. They run really fast. It's high energy. It takes a lot of focus, a lot of concentration. Does that fit within your lifestyle of what you're trying to do? <laughs> my, my opinion, they are very similar in that in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with a restaurant, you have to you have to. I don't want to say deal with, but you have to. Right. You know, manage so many different aspects that you can't really control completely. Right. So, in that, and that's the hard part with with motorcycles. You can control most of it. Most of it. Do you but feel with, like in your stunts you can control yourself a lot more than perhaps sometimes in regular life? Um. Yes. Hmm. yes absolutely. Absolutely, hmm. because you go in there and you know. You know exactly what everyone is supposed to be doing, right. and exactly what you know where everything is located. You I can see why you love the track. Place. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's the same mentality amazing for both cars and motorcycles. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So what do you what do you have going on in, in your future? What, what are we waiting to see from you? I, I can see that you have a lot of. Pro- production stills like getting ready to go on is there anything you're you're happy to, to that you're uh, going to be in soon oh my most favorite thing that i've ever done ever 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 so far Ooh, maybe i shouldn't say that a lot um oh. is is i got to double margot robbie for uh, birds of prey and i only did one day because she has nice. full-time doubles 
but they were not available and they needed someone to drive a car. And I was, I got to do that little stunt and then I got to do a second stunt following that one up. Was and it a convertible work, stunt? I have wanted, no, I have wanted okay. to, I'm going to, some, I actually don't remember exactly what car it was, but oh, it was a van. It's a white okay. van. Um, but I got to double Margot, and I have been wanting to double her for years. And mm. Harley Quinn is my favorite, favorite, <laughs> favorite, favorite. So I, when I heard she was doing Harley Quinn, I almost lost my mind. This is this is uh, this is when I'm going to double her. This is when I'm going to do it. And then we made it almost to the end of the movie, and I'm like, oh, sad face. And then someone called me yeah. and said, That's "Are you awesome. available to double Margot Robbie on Birds of Prey next week?" And I was right. like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't been available. I would have, I would have lost it. But so I that ended up sad. doing that. I know. I ended yeah. up doing that. I worked with people I've never worked with before. It was absolutely wonderful. I had so much fun. It was one of the and, – and it was great job. Both of the things I got to do, they were great. Everything was right. – I can't wait to see the movie. So that is right. one thing that I am looking forward to. I can't to. wait to see it either. It looks very Deadpoolish. Oh, you know, yeah. You, you you do look a lot like her. A lot. I mean, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I will take it. Oh, right. <laughs> I will take that compliment and run. Every time someone says, "Do you know who you look like?" Because as as a dumb person, I have to go, "Uh, right. yeah." Yes, right. yes, I do. I, I literally, who are well, you, you thinking you, I look like? You you have a very original face. I'm going to give this to you because I remember the first time I saw you, you have a very original face because I stared at you for like a minute because I'm like, have you ever looked at somebody where like their face kind of cap- captivates you? It doesn't look like everybody else's. It looks somewhat like Disney-ish. Have you ever seen no, that? I like, have not, but thank you. Yeah, you almost look like a Disney queen. I was like, what the, who the hell is that? And then my, my friend Ashley Hudson was like, oh, that's, that's Heather, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. She, I think Tammy Baird was with me as well. Oh, interesting. I love Tammy. She's yeah, Tammy's great. great. Hi, she was on last week, high energy, knows what she wants, very strong. I mean, this is, this is the thing that people want to hear. This is the reason why I wanted you on. Was, you know, there's a girl right now in Colorado Springs that wants to be you. She wants to come out to LA to be you. How, how, how does she do that? Now, I, I, I could see the, the parental perspective, but can you give her any advice on, on things that she can do to become more in, aligned with, with you? Find me. Find me, and I'll, I will take you to my gym. <laughs> I mean, literally, the thing about Los Angeles is that you, you do, and stunts, you have to network with people because in, in, in acting, you can find, you get a headshot, you find an agent, they submit you to things, you go take an acting class, you can get a job. Yeah. And stunts, it's not the same thing at all. You, have to, you do have to get a headshot, but then you have to train, and you have to train, and you have to train, and you have to network enough so that someone can tell you where you can go find a coordinator to hustle them, to give them your right. headshot, to say, this is what I do, and this is what I've been training, and this is what I'm capable of. Hire me. And if you're right. lucky, that person will hire you, and then you just have to keep doing that until there's a point where someone gives you a shot, and then someone else gives you a shot, and someone, and then they start telling other people that they worked with you and you're you know and if you have a niche that's great because it's so much easier like for with motorcycles or cars or skateboards or you know ice skate or water work and 
And if you don't, you just have to work and you have to find people and you have to make some friends and you have to be genuine because if you're not, people know. <laughs> and if right. you lie, people know. Right. <laughs> right. And just little things like that. So what is it what is it about you that you know, because people have to spend 18, 16, 12 hours, sometimes, you know, more time together on a set. What is it about your personality that makes people want to continually call you and say, I want to spend time with you. Come on on set. Because that's basically what they're saying. I think that is exactly what that is. If you are a genuine human being, Hmm. it doesn't really, you could be a little bit weird sometimes. You can be funny and if you are a genuine human being, they want to be around you, but you also have to have your set etiquette. You have to know when you have to shut up and you have right. to know when, when you are allowed to talk and when you need to talk, you need to be assertive. You need to be able to say, no, this isn't safe. Right. This is not safe. And, and you have to talk to the right people. You have to know who you can talk to and who you can't, you can't throw under the bus and you learn those things and it gets to the point where you you get somewhere where someone is like, this is a great person to have on set. Right. They may not be the best at this job, but they're better in as a person for 18 hours on set than that person would be. So I don't want do you that think, person. Do you think perhaps your, your work in the law helped you with control, especially with, with motorcycle? And tra- I don't even need to ask that question, but more with law. Do you think that kept on like pretty much a straight brain for you in these situations? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think anything, anytime you're in a situation where you have to follow directions and you have to remember things and you have to, and you have to learn how to compose yourself, right? you, you become, I think anything really honestly can set you up learning, reading, writing, being around people constantly everything if you take things from life you can just you can just be good anywhere right. with right. anyone and it's great it's great right los angeles Sincerity. will do that to you cuz you have the yeah. opportunity to go and be anywhere and experience anything and it's right and it's probably one of the better cities that i've ever yeah. i've ever been in you can see how L.A. changes people sometimes. A lot of times people come to L.A. with an expectation or their understanding of how L.A. people act, and they can't really cope with Correct. it because that's not the Correct. way we act at all. I was born here. So it, it, it's one of those things where your sincerity came from a lot of times from your upbringing, the, the way you describe your father and your mother, the way you grew up, the way you, you were raised. A lot of those things add to a lot of the, the, the great things that made you are today. When you look back at it now, do you do you do you thank your mom and dad in, in a different way you might have as a child, with with the things they set you up with, as being a, a like a, a great human being? Uh yeah, yeah. I I absolutely think my parents have taught me how to be. I honestly think the most kind that anyone can be and still be assertive enough and not get walked all over. Right. Because my mother, if you ever meet my mother, my mother has (laughs) never told a lie in her life. I'm not kidding. I've never heard my mom lie in her life. I know those times. Wow. Yeah. And she, and yet she is still, she's not, she's not meek. She's not quiet. She's, she's still an assertive human being. 
but she's a right. good person. And I got to experience that my whole life. And my That's dad nice. is very similar. He's, he's more quiet, <laughs> but <laughs> and he wasn't, he, he, because he was traveling, I only saw him on the weekends. So I got to experience both of them a lot, but I'm a hundred percent sure that they have a lot to do with me in Los Angeles, even though I've been here for 13 or 14 years now. That's wonderful. You know, Heather, yeah. we, we ran out of time really fast. Uh, we're completely <laughs> out of time. Let, let me ask you before you leave, how, how do you say, pronounce your last name? I hope I said it right. It's Bonomo. It's Bonomo. I didn't say it right yes. at all. I didn't say it right. I didn't even, I didn't even get no. close to saying it correctly. Nobody so. does. And it's okay. I'm okay with that. And I, it's funny because I wouldn't have even noticed. Because no, I, I, so you know what? I knew, I knew it was going to be some kind of weird pronunciation. It was never, it's not going to be Bonomo. It's going to be Bonomo <laughs> or something like that. Cause I was thinking that at the end, I'm like, God, it could be Greek. It could be a lot of different, it could be Japanese. Uh, yeah. So how do you say it again? Bonomo. Bonomo. It's Italian. Bonomo. Yeah, that's Italian. <laughs> yeah, my last thing's pizza. So yeah, we're both dagos. That's awesome. Yep. Oh, fantastic. Yep. So, so we have a huge crowd right now. Before before we let you go, how can we get in touch with you? How can we watch everything that Heather Bonomo is doing? So the majority of my stuff goes on to my Instagram. I haven't been updating it as much as I should be recently, but I also haven't been doing anything this January. But I, my Instagram is at Bonomo. It's B-O-N-O-M-O, Moto, M-O-T-O. And that is the only social media I use at this moment. Really? In time. No Instagram, <laughs> yep. huh? No TikTok? Wait, is that my Instagram? Did I say Facebook? <laughs> no, it's not. I'm like, it's a separate app. <laughs> it's a completely I'm separate like, app. I'm like, what? I'm like, is that what you're What are you talking about? I guess so. I said, that oh, was you do my have Instagram. A... <laughs> that was my Instagram. I don't know. That's well, what I said. I don't know. I'm not like, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're the but best. But I don't have TikTok. I don't know what TikTok is. I've never even seen it. It's, it's a people... dancing app where people are doing dancing apps and like transition apps and it's, they play music in the background. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't have, have time one. for that. <laughs> I, neither do I. But I, I. I don't know. When I'm asking for people's social media, sometimes they mention their TikTok or their Apple Watch program or whatever. It's like, okay, that's, I guess people can reach you. I just bought a house. I got to do my yard work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you so much for being on here and, and making us all laugh and, and telling us all about your salary, about your family and what have you. We, we greatly appreciate it. And we hope you a great amount of safety and love out there in the world of, of, of Hollywood. Well, thank you very much for having me. Heather Bonomo was with us today. Thank you so much, Heather. Have a great day, huh? Thank you. You do the same. <laughs> <laughs> have a great day. So that was Heather. We had a great time with Heather. And we have, we have, we have Carly on the line right now. We're going to wait a second for Carly. Let me put on a song right here just so we can enjoy our little time away from Heather. Thank you, Heather, for joining us today. You were a fantastic guest, and I'm so sorry for butchering your name. Wait one second. Here we go.
And welcome back to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. We just took a little uh, cleanser, a little palate cleanser from uh, from Heather. But we have both Carly and Sonora on the line right now. Let's get them on. Hey, how's it going? Hello, Hello. how's it going? Oh, the audience. Good. The audience needs to wait. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens wow, when you produce your own shows. I know. You, you have to love in there. How you doing, girls? Yeah. Great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So I met you at the Sholo Film Festival. Uh, but how long have you guys been doing film individually? Well, so I guess I'll talk about my experience, and then Sonora can talk yeah. about hers. Is I sure. went to USC Film School, and I transferred there in 2008. So it's been hmm. 12 years of film for me, but uh, wow. it's, you know, it had its ups and downs. And then, where did, where, where um, did you grow Sonora, up? Did you grow up in LA? I grew up in Carlsbad, California, which is the suburb okay. of San Diego. Yeah, we know where Carlsbad so I'm is. I'm Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. Woo, woo, woo. Nice. So are you, are you, uh, Sonora, Sonora, are you Southern California too? Yeah, I'm from Vista, which is like right next ah, to Carlsbad. So that's nice. Another I know where Vista little, is. It's so pretty out there. You know, you can't really beat it. No, you cannot. It's but, consistent weather. It's nice. It's nice. Uh, nice driving out there. Oh yeah. I mean, there's wineries. There's avocados. Mm-hmm. And the oh, ocean. Yeah. I mean, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I met Carly. In 2015, I, I think. think so. Yeah, and she was working on a film project and asked if I wanted to come on set and do some behind-the-scenes photography. And oh, it became so much more than it that. It became so much it more. Right. Crazy comedy, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe you can show up and just do a couple things. And Sonora ended up doing like literally everything. She was like moving lights around. She was creating right. props. She was acting so in the you, film. You, so Sonora like, made herself useful. Yeah, right. You know what's interesting? We ask people all the time, like, you know, what, what made you so popular? What made you so famous? Or what made you so successful? And it's like, I made myself useful. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, and film sets are very much like whatever you want to volunteer to do. I mean, you won't right. be turned down. You will, you will right. be, your work will be accepted for sure. Right. So yeah, Sonora so really stood we, out to you because she was really <laughs> working the hump on, on the time that you wanted her to work, huh? I mean, it was more like we, you know, I had all my friends coming to help, and Sonora just was immediately so on top of everything and just a delight to work with. And it was like, oh, I just want to collaborate with this person now because, you know, she brings so right. many good ideas. And so, yeah, after that, it was more like everything I wanted to do, I would talk to Sonora first. Sonora, how did you feel the first time you met her? Did you feel a connection, or, or did it take a little more time for you? Oh, no, it was immediately like, oh, this is a fascinating person. Um, hmm. Carly's sister actually introduced us, and we went to a pub trivia night, and I ended up playing pub trivia with their team, and I just felt immediately like, these are my kind of people, because there's always that film category, and they just aced it, <laughs> and I was in awe of all of their, their like, film knowledge. I'm like, who are these people? And um, They worked at Blockbuster. Oh, God. Like, honestly, they, they should. <laughs> um, but you've been doing yeah, a lot of photography? Really, yeah, I was into photography at the time, and I had, I had really been taking a break. And so when she said, why don't you come on and just take some photos? I love having that. You know, the funny thing is, right. is that 
I don't think I ever gave her those photos. <laughs> no. <laughs> I got so I got so busy doing other things. I got so busy working on the film that was like, forget about that. Just right. hang out and help on the film set. And I thought for sure she was going to be like, never come back because I forgot <laughs> to give her all of those photos. No, I That's forgot. That's hilarious. <laughs> Until this moment. <laughs> Yep. Now, Carly, you know, something I was, I was kind of shocked to find out about you, but you've composed short films before as well, mm-hmm. haven't I, you? I did, yeah. So um, what, I, what I musical instruments was, do you play? Go ahead. I play the piano and the guitar and the banjo, actually. And, and the banjo like Steve Martin? Not as good. Not nearly as good as Steve Martin, but I do play. Oh, um, uh, so you know fun. how well he plays then, huh? You're a Dork. Oh yeah, he's very good. <laughs> he's, he's really, good really good. He's really good. I yeah, I actually saw him perform live. And oh really? I was blown away. I was like, oh yeah, he he's very very good. He did I'm that play where he wish. did where he did uh, he did a play where he did uh, Picasso meets uh, Albert Einstein, and he brought out the banjo <laughs> after the play and played it for us. And that Which was character play in that play. Did you play Picasso he... <laughs> or Einstein? <laughs> well, for this one, he wasn't playing the characters. He who wrote the play. So for this one, he let other people act on it. So that's why he was able to come out and play with the banjo, I suppose. But no, he 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 had it out here for a long time. I think it was called um, "In Love with Picasso." It, it, it's based on a true story of the first mm-hmm. time Picasso and Einstein met each other inside of a restaurant. He's just Steve Martin is such a Renaissance man. He does Isn't everything. He? He's an oh, incredible yeah. human. You know, I thought that was like a story to make myself self sound clever, but he wrote a play about it. So I mean, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like that's just how smart he is. Yeah. You know. Yep, he's he's super gifted, and it's not the banjo's by no means that easy to play. You know, that fast and that accurately. So like, uh, no. hats off to him. I am not that no. good. <laughs> no, the banjo is really an amazing instrument, and a lot, not a lot of people give it enough mm-hmm. credit because not a lot of people can play it as well as perhaps that he can. So when you're going into composing, was that something that you wanted to do forever, like your end game, or was it just something you were doing along the way? I considered um, pursuing film composing because it was a lot of my interest. And together it was like I loved music, I loved film, and I thought it would be an interesting way of combining the two. But um, honestly, I never got super into music theory and some of the more higher education of music. I just liked it more as my own songwriting. And yeah, no, I wasn't. I could yeah. play some of that stuff on the piano, but I didn't love yeah. it. And ultimately, well, I just, just the love, fact just the uh, fact that you said it's kind of that stuff means it says a lot. <laughs> I, I could play I could play that stuff. It's like okay, I get it. Oh, <laughs> um, poorly, I could play that stuff poorly. <laughs> um, Sonora, you, you said you said you started off in, in photography. Was was that was that something that you were kind of looking at towards an end game, or or just the beginning into into something brand new for you? Um, I kind of picked it up. Um, you know, what's funny is I, growing up, my brother played a lot of sports and I would mm. go to all of his games and I was bored out of my mind for some of them. Cause right. there's only so many times you can watch a soccer match. Right. And, right. um, so I picked up a camera and started doing sports photography just to mm. ease my own mind and find interest. And right. while that was enjoyable, I, I'm more enjoyed working in like high fashion and doing all the the makeup and the hair and uh, beautiful outfits. And so I ended up doing that for a little while just for fun. And then um, I also did music. So uh, that kind of just, it wasn't necessarily something I thought I was going to go into, but I met a lot of amazing people 
through it. And so that kind of opened the door for other forms of art as well. Right. Now, what was the first project that you, that you both started working on together as a team? Uh, As a team. Oh, I guess it would have been the Bechdel Bechdel test. test. Yeah. Well, hit Quinn was the first one where we worked together, but it was very thrown together and I wouldn't call it like, like our first official collaboration. So we did the Bechdel test, which was a short film in 2017. And I, we were we were very intentional about it. Had a lot of meetings. I we I brought I asked Sonora if she wanted to do production design, which became something she really excelled at and liked doing. And right. you know, brought her in from the very beginning and was like, "Is there hey, a scientist named Bechdel?" It's the sorry, what was that? Hey, is there a scientist named Bechdel? That's such a I've never heard that name before in my entire life. What it is is the Bech, it's called the Bechdel test, and it's oh, the Bechdel test. Film. It's a it's a cinema term. It's kind of a term that was really? coined by a critic to discuss mm-hmm. this phenomenon in film and TV, where um, two female characters don't seem to be able to talk to each other unless they're talking about a man, a male character, and it's um it's a phenomenon that happens on a lot of film and TV shows when there's two women speaking I'm, together. Two women speaking together, and the only thing they can talk about is the is the other man in the room. Is just another male character in the story. It's uh, it just happens. A, uh, it, it's a critic like came up with that term to describe it. And so if people will that say, "Oh, does horrible. this movie pass the Bechdel test?" That but sounds it's horrible. So true. If you start, yeah, you start thinking about the TV shows that we watch, and I'm like, oh, yep. That's oh, I, you know what? I, I, <laughs> I, you know what? I know when a director or a writer does not understand a woman. I mean, that's why I loved J.J. Abrams and Joss Whedon growing up, because you can always tell when when a director either doesn't like women, doesn't understand them, both. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's really mm-hmm. just just the worst writing in the world. It's like, why did you have a woman in here in the first place? Yeah, it's kind of so, like, uh, if you're going to do it, do it correctly, you know? Yeah, just do a bunch of dudes talking to each other, man. Why, why are you bringing a woman in here to talk about it? Wow, they, they actually have coined th- that phrase. Like, we've become that misogynistic yeah. consistently that now we have phrases. Yeah. That, that, that's horrible. Okay, so you did this movie. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, how, how was that? I was going to say, we're, we're fine with it because then we ended up making a movie. And it <laughs> <after> it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's another way to look exactly. at it. If it didn't exist, yeah. we wouldn't have made money off of it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so tell me about the Bechdel test. How, how was that movie? And tell me what it was about. Um, so it's about these two female friends, and they're very ambitious young women just out of college. And it's kind of like a slice of life uh, conversation that they have. They're at a party, and uh, one of them works in finance at a very high-powered job, and the other's a journalist kind of hunting for a story. And the journalist friend kind of starts to ask questions about her, you know, finance friend and her, her job. And she's kind of like, well, your job is a bunch of guys and your boss is this, you know, attractive guy and he seems to be promoting you. And she starts to insinuate that maybe the reason her friend has been promoted is there may be something going on between her and her boss. And it's kind of this, right. um, this scene of subtext and these, uh, you know, under the surface uh, conversations going on and, it's kind of like this meta commentary on like, do women support women or do we kind of, are we suspicious of women who are successful? Women are, we, women are, are we, suspicious of women that are successful. I've just answered your question. Well, it, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, 
it's an interesting commentary on ambition it is and jealousy. Odd, it? And, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, only, it's the only reason why men have been so successful this entire time. When you think about it, <laughs> when you look really pa- at the past, it's one of the main key reasons why men have been in power for so long. Mm. I mean, it's possible. I, that, I've, I've taught history for many, many years, and that's just my personal, that's my personal opinion. I'm going to stick to that until the day I die. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you did yeah, that film, and that's the first film you guys did together. How was, how was that? Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good. Carly and I met for a lot of pre-production meetings, and we talked a lot about the tone she wanted for the project. Were you guys I meeting up a lot of Priscilla's? <laughs> We met up at Priscilla's for this one. We were at, where did we meet up? We were mostly we were, at, like, Vinaka's and Baba Coffee. Yeah, we were at Carl's. Oh. We were still kind of located down there, but we did shoot in L.A. Um, we just were in general, we had Pinterest boards going. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of Google right. Docs going back and forth. We were just, it was very official and communicative. and Which was good because Carly and I are also very good friends. And then we kind of flipped that switch and we went straight into professional mode to make sure we had all of our bases covered. And right. I had never done anything on an official production design level like that. And most of our crew was from L.A. And so walking on set was a very different experience for me. And it was really thrilling to see everyone come together. And it was exciting to see Carly produce and direct this, too, because she was very much in charge and really communicative. And so, I mean, it was we also I would like to point out we did all night shoots and my brain was yeah. not prepared for that. I was like. What do you mean we're taking lunch at 11 p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> Carly, did, did yeah. some of your schooling help you prepare you for, for this situation? <laughs> or was it was it just life experiences? Or was it was it a combination of both? And also having a friend with you? Um, all, all of the above. Uh, film school definitely helps you get the basics down, but I think you won't really know until you just try it and you do it. And I had done a couple of short films before this one, which was good practice. Um, at right. showing up and being able to be organized and have your shot list and, and have had those meetings. Um, so it, it's a combination of all of that. And then, all, of course, working with friends makes it a hundred times better, more fun, and just, I don't know, it just it flows better overall when you have friends who just get you and get your creativity and you get them. And right. also I cr- try to have an environment where people can come to me with suggestions and ideas and feel like they can contribute artistically and I think that's a part of why I you know we've enjoyed making our films this is like everyone feels like they can say something contribute ideas and would, I that's you, kind of the workflow I like would you would you say that's very important to you mm-hmm. as as really the main face of the project because if it's good they're going to thank you and if it's bad mm-hmm. they're going to blame you yeah, is there the you know, yeah. that's the ahead, director direct- has to yeah, kind of bear that burden a little bit, but um, but I think the more people who feel like they have a stake at the game, the more the the better it's going to be because they'll feel like they they have they have a stake in it. You know what I mean? It's like right. I want them to have ownership over what they work on. It's not just your communication my is, is a is a big thing of yours, huh? I think so. I think that's vital for any job, company, project, whatever mm-hmm. is communication. Right. Yeah, and Carly's so inclusive about things too. Like, it's it's almost this natural occurrence where you want to take interest in the project. It's not just something that you show up for and you're like, oh great, well I'm here and then I'll 
thank God I'm leaving. (laughs) It's like, wow, what are we doing? Like, she's very passionate about everything she does. And like, you really kind of get to understand things from her perspective. And on the note of working with friends, um, Carly just has a lot of really, really talented friends. You know, sometimes you have people who are like, oh, I love movies. And it's like, yeah, that's great, but you are horrible. And you, you like, when you take photos, I think you cover the lens. Right. Like, what are you doing? No, Carly's <laughs> incredibly talented friends. And so it makes being, like, working with them on projects so pleasant. Yeah, right. it's true. Like, we're, we're all, we are all on the same page, and we're all, like, using our talents in the way that they were meant to be used, I think. Right. And stretching them. Yeah. That's funny. When, when you're saying talents, my brain is, like, correcting it, saying skills. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm, my brain brain's going like actually skills because talent, I think talent is such a waste of time. Uh, skill is, hmm. is something that I, I definitely saw from you at the Charlotte Film Festival. I saw a person mm-hmm. who was skilled. And let's talk mm-hmm. about that right now because we, I, I met you at the Charlotte Film Festival. You had a very impressive, impressive film out there uh, called Service Road. Uh, before we get into that, you showed up at the Cholo Film Festival. What were you expecting? Because this wasn't the first place you, you, you actually showed this film. You showed it other places. Mm-hmm. Um, what we were expecting is, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a ton of festival experience, to be honest. We had gone to Idlewild Film Festival earlier that year, right. and it was a pretty good experience. Um, we were pleasantly surprised, I think, by, by Sholo. They had a lot of good press and media opportunities i think the community of filmmakers was great everyone was very yep. supportive um and there were lots of i don't know there's lots of interesting movies lots of mm-hmm. different movies lots of variety and we were just i don't know i think i was i was pleasantly surprised i don't know about you sonora like oh yeah yeah we we didn't expect there to be quite as much press and that was mm-hmm. really great we quickly revamped our thinking and also it made us more intentional about when we showed up and we started talking to other filmmakers and the people who were there to support the films uh, service road is a 30 minute dramedy and we knew that we would have to be very in front of people like come see our film because it is it's quite long in comparison to the other short films that were there and so we knew we had to kind of create a presence there that people would remember us by and that was also pleasant to be around because yeah. like I know that sometimes sitting through some of these movies can be a chore. <laughs> right, right. And we were like, ours is not like this. Please come, please come. So, so tell us, tell, give us a, give us a breakdown, a little breakdown of Service Road. What, what is the story about? Um, so Service Road is 30 minutes, and it's a dramedy about a U.S. federal marshal, and she's escorting a male prisoner to his parole hearing. And they're in somewhere in the California desert and their car breaks down and there's no one coming to help them. And so they kind of have to come to terms with their situation and their worldviews. And so um, that's kind of the main gist of the storyline. Mm-hmm. You said the first, one of the first times you showed it at, at a festival, you had a couple like what we call dudes in the front, <laughs> like during the right, like bros. They were like yeah, somehow we questioning you. Tell me about those dude bros. <laughs> we had this, this one heckler who, um, I don't know, I don't want to like play it too much into the stereotype, but Carly and I walked on stage to do a Q&A, and we were yeah. a couple of the only female filmmakers there. And when we were introduced with our movie, I, um, I think people were surprised. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that they were just so angry and defensive. I don't know why, but it was like the subject matter of our film or the genre itself. They were just like, why are How you, dare you talking about prisoners? <laughs> they were offended at the handling of some of the, the marshal, the federal marshal subject line and were sort of skeptical of us. And we're like, you know, we did our research and we talked to corrections officers and we talked to an FBI agent, like, our research was solid, um, oh, yeah. but people right. were, this one guy was kind of heckling us, and it was, it was a little frustrating, but... I, I, yeah. I found, um, I found it very interesting, because I actually went to see your film based upon that opinion, because I, 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 <laughs> I have experience in that world, so I really wanted to know what the person was talking about, and I looked at it, and I'm like, you know, this is making the movie actually, you know, quite... Ext- you know, they must have went in with the expectation of, you know... I, you know, I don't know. I don't even know how to say it properly. I'll be honest with you. You know, as, as a speaker myself, I, I would say that it's just plain ignorance to say that everything's yeah. going to be consistently one way. It, not everything's going to be one way. Things are so variant on so many situations that it's almost impossible to say that things are done one way. So for them to even oh, yeah. say anything well, shows, shows that misogyn- misogynistic attitude. That, that's what I really wanted to get to. Yeah, I mean, he, I think he definitely had that perspective going into it. Like, he had filters on before the movie was even done. Like, some of the decisions that our character made, because our our lead is a very strong personality female, um, but she also, she makes a couple of mistakes, which is why she's endearing and why she's interesting, and she's, she's relatable, and he didn't like that she didn't have the support from other people as if he expected her to have male support in her field. Like, that's Yo, really? What, what, wow. what, where did he, where did he grow up somewhere in Canada? I mean, that must've been amazing. Yeah, up there. No, I actually know? know because he, he grew up in the LA area. This critic did. And he was yeah. mad because it didn't reflect the particular sheriff's department that, he was familiar with, which I was like, wow, they sound like peaches. Like, that can't be true. I, I, saw, a, I saw a thousand ways what, what your story was about could be possible. A thousand ways. Mm. And it's so easy to have leaned that way. I was thinking if it was like th- three dudes with like face tattoos, would they say anything? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm really trying to get at right here. It's like if they had three dudes with face tattoos and they're all huge, those guys would never have said a word. Oh, no. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? They would never say mm-hmm. a word, and it's like, it's because you're women. And if you hid yourself, would would it have been accepted or received differently? That's a good question. I really, right? I wonder that. I do wonder that. And yeah, maybe, that would be very interesting can, to see. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can you can do you can hire like two male actors to play you guys, and then, and then <laughs> see what see how Wait, see we, how it goes. About this. It might it might make you very that. angry. It might make you really angry. It might get a Netflix special. You might get really pissed. I mean, <laughs> sure, why not? We actually have actually we've talked about that because we've not had we've had a lot of good success and, and yeah. good experience at festivals, but sometimes yeah. we did notice. We're like, I wonder if we had been different people yeah. or um, yeah. if they didn't know we were attached to the project. Well, the, the, re- the reason why I talked to you about this is because I, I, I write novels as well as I write screenplays as well, as well as I direct. So, but my novels are usually written about women and my own de plume, my, 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 my name that's, that's other than mine is a woman's name. And the reason oh. why is I, I, don't want, I don't want a female to pick up my book and go, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know women. He's a man. 
and they just immediately just shut me right off. It's like, no, 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 give me a couple pages. Give me, give me, yeah. you know, give me a couple pages. Give me a chance. And, and I don't think it's any different in a woman's world. I, I think, it's, if anything, it's yeah. just har- way harsher uh, to be in yeah. a woman's world because people are going to – I didn't see that at the Show Love Film Festival. I didn't see anybody Mm-mm. question you or question yeah. anything out there. Everybody had very good questions. But that, it's interesting to hear that. Now, I, I am wondering if it would have been different because you two I, are very strong too. women. <laughs> we try. We do try. I mean, you were there for one of our showings, and we walked yeah. up to the front for the Q and A. And I thought for sure you were going to come at us with a couple of zingers, just because you knew that story. I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I know. I, I heard you but, say, "Oh my God." Good. <laughs> but no, your questions were great. You always ask the ones that uh, really kind of get more to the heart of the story and tell the behind right. the scenes about filmmaking, which we really appreciate because it's we're right. passionate about our projects and. Mm-hmm. So we appreciated having you. Oh, I, I, I certainly didn't know. If I did the other one, it would have been very disrespectful. This is this is your forum, and you might not get a lot of forums to show your projects. And this could be the yeah. one forum that allows your project to hit the next level. And what I'm I'm joking about it, and I'm being playful about it. I don't think that's very cool. I don't think that's I don't think it's <laughs> right. the right attitude to take in in any kind of aspect, especially when you're trying to support people. But I really did love exactly. your film. It did remind me a lot Thank of you. Fringe. I don't know if you saw that show, but it reminded me a lot of Fringe. That and, one. Yeah, and it made me want to yeah. see more of it. Yeah, there is a male female prisoner component to that as well. Um, mm-hmm. That that that's not off the mark completely. It, it just borderline but i i love these stories they're very intimate they're very wonderful now i know for a fact you guys are in pre-production for a new film what is that new film mm-hmm. yeah we are it's a it's actually a western um it's a proof of concept for a feature film that i've written and i'm, I'm really excited about the feature script but um it's a western and i think what we want to do with this next project is really create an interesting short like I said, proof of concept to show off kind of the ideas of the feature film, the characters in the world of the feature film right. to get, you know, to, to get producers or production sure. companies or investors interested. Mm-hmm. We call those, so, e- we call um, those EPKs. Yeah. So you put a script together, you yeah. put a, a lot of little visuals together and you put an EPK and then you send them out. So what, what, what is the movie Correct. called? It's called Rogue. Rogue. What a great name! Mm-hmm. So, can you can you tell us a little bit about the story without uh, giving us too much? Yeah, so it's actually a it's an it's a western that's set in the 1870s on the uh, frontier of like the New Mexico territory, and it actually follows this African American woman who um, her name's Elle, and she's kind of this the way the kind of the short pitch on it is she's kind of like the John Wayne character, you know, in this particular western she's this sort of mythological mysterious read, character that you don't know quite, I already love quite where she came from yeah she's not like some cowboy gunslinger type but she is smart and resourceful and we're kind of tracking with her experience um in this particular story and frame of events and how um she deals with these outlaws coming into town and kind of throwing a wrench in all her plans and throwing a wrench in everything that's going on in the town and how she maneuvers her way through that and she's very smart and that sounds complicated um, and fun was was there anything that inspired this story because there's there's several movies there's one movie that came out this year and i can't remember the name i'm so embarrassed by it there's one movie that came out this year about an african-american woman that that was part of our history in in the 19th century as well i don't remember what the name of the story is anymore but 
So, so you want to do something that that's pre-Civil War. So this is pre-Civil War. It's actually War. post-Civil. It's post-Civil oh, War. post-Civil War. What's the date again? 1870s. Oh, 1870. Oh, I thought you said 1817. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. That would be quite a long that, time ago. Yeah, that would be a long <laughs> time. I was like, whoa. That's a long time ago. No, yeah, it's, it's like, wow. war and yeah, right. I think it would be a little, a, a very different story pre-Civil War, but I'm, I'm sure, sure. It's, it's definitely more America on the rise, you know, like this sounds interesting. railroad. And, yeah, it's, yeah it's more Victorian God, era. Sort of, yeah. yeah. And what's cool yeah. about the story in true Carly fashion is like yeah. all these characters are so complex and morally <laughs> ambiguous. And so yeah. it's really fun to see the decisions that they make. Some of them surprise you and some of them you're like, Oh boy, here we go. You know, you kind of want right. to settle in and watch to see what they do. Right. That's very interesting. What was the name of the story again? Rogue. Just one word. Rogue. <laughs> that is a great that's a great title. Rogue. And so you're doing a proof of concept of that. Are are, are there going to be horses and guns involved and everything? Um, as we're prepping up to do the proof of concept, I mean, there definitely will be some guns and some kind of minor stunts, but I don't right. know if we'll get horses in it. We'd have to kind of have all the right cards line up if we were going to have any horses. It's, right. you know, it'd be nice, but it's like, we're realistic and we know, you know, with the budget <laughs> that we have, you know, we're, we're trying to paint a very interesting palette with this proof of concept in terms of cinematography sure. and production design. Um, and we are going to, there is, there are some action beats and some things like that, but we're, it's more about the subtleties and the characters. That's always what you, excites us the most. Oh, really? So it's, it's more about the characters for you right now. For the proof of concept, especially. Yes. Because we want yeah. people to really get to know uh, Elle, <laughs> our character in a few short minutes and kind of be really intrigued by what she's doing and why she's doing it. Correct? Right. Yeah. Right. How how long are you waiting for this proof, proof of concept to, to film it? And by the way, what did you before we before we get there? Let, let me let me digress just really fast. The last project you worked on, uh, actually the first project you guys worked on. I wanted to ask you this question. I can't believe I didn't ask you this. What camera did you use? Um, the Bechtel test was the Sony A7S II, and okay. Service Road was also the Sony A7S II. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, was it an R at all? I mean, um, no. Like it's so my DP owns this camera, and it's yeah. actually like a really it's a you know it's one of the DSLR type. It's cameras, a great cam. It's a it's a mirrorless it's great cam. It's a, it's a fantastic. I've shot a, a thousand yeah. things on it. It's an amazing camera, and you you amazing. can. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say it's great in low light too. It's oh yeah, handy and it's full and well, it's I, full frame so. Carly and Sonora, I can't tell you how many times I've lied to somebody that I filmed something on on a, on like a red camera or a black magic 4K when I really did on like a 5D Mark III. It's like screw it. you don't need to know the truth, you know? Like your like your eyes just fool you. Yeah, if you have you the right lighting and the right yeah, you don't totally. need. Yeah, just use an iPhone, you idiot. Just use something. You know, I remember I was, <laughs> I remember I was at a festival, and I, I, I try not to be cruel, but this, this guy, he was, he's older than me, and he walked up to me, and goes, I want to learn how to make a movie, and I go, okay, let me finish the panel first. So I sat in the panel, it's like a hundred people, and I looked at him, I go, yeah. you know what? I actually don't want to talk to you after this because, listen, oh. you have so many. I'm gonna, because I'm gonna tell you right now, you have so many sources that you can go to. To, to make a film, you can go to YouTube, be taught by a 12-year-old. 
You can buy a camera <laughs> right now for like $50. You can use your iPhone. There's so many. Like when, when we went to film school, like when you went to film school, you did not have what we have even right now. Correct. You know what I mean? Things are no. consistently changing. If you want to be good at something, if you really want something to happen, you would be ahead of that ball before it hits something else. Very Don't true. Yep. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. You have so many resources to learn and to teach yourself. And the cameras right. are so good and very affordable. Right. Yeah. I don't want to hear bla- I don't want to hear blaming other people of why you failed mm. because there's Apple Plus, there's Sony, there's Sony Plus, there's Disney Plus, everything's plus. <laughs> By the way, is, is that is that something that the both of you were very much interested in, in being p- part of the Plus team? You know, the Apple Plus and the, the Disney Plus is, is there something that you, you're going towards to, to want to direct that's within these fields? Mm. I mean, I'm pretty open to any of it. I think streaming is fantastic and that it's created more content in general and i would be very open to working on that platform i mean obviously cinema is the golden standard and having your screen in the theater would be incredible but i'm also like realistic and i understand that streaming is 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 also very important and um i'd be happy to work in the industry in any way and it makes sense too because with the kind of stories that we like to tell doing something more on a streaming level and you know telling multiple stories and having that time is also really appealing because you have time to uh, talk about the details within the story. And we clearly love, love, love details. So, yeah. Well, you're obviously Sonora. You're, you're, you're obviously in the field of producing. You're, you're very tactic. You're very tactical. You're very literal. You're, you're, you're very, you're very clear, but succinct about what you're saying. You are basically being her, her manager and her producer right now, which is hilarious to me. Is that something that you are going towards in your future as being part of the PGA producers guild of America, you know, be, becoming a producer as well as a writer in the, in the feature films that uh, you, you both work on? Um, wow. That is a really good question. I haven't given it a ton of thought, but I mean, it sounds incredibly appealing. It'd be, I mean, it'd be not, ridiculous right? for you not. It'd be, <laughs> you're doing it. It'd be, you're doing it right now. It'd be kind of silly for you not to do it. Seriously. It would be, it would be really great. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to look into it. You know, why not? Right. <laughs> you You should, you're doing it right now. And there's no reason why you should just write the film. You should also be producing it next to your teammate. She should produce it as well. And you guys could be a little team They're the way you guys are always meant to be. Oh yeah. Sonora is really good at, at the details. Like you said, the tactile, you know, management yeah. of things. So I think she'd, ex- she already is excelling as a yeah. producer and would make you a can, you can, producer. You can tell her. she's picking up, she's picking up your tails a couple of times. You know, it's really, it's really <laughs> nice to see, you know, <laughs> it's really nice exactly. to see. So, so what, what film, what camera are you, you plan on using for Rogue? I actually don't know yet. That's a good question. Um, yeah. I'm def- def- definitely going to have a meeting with um, my, our cinematographer, Rick, and discuss what camera we want to use because it, yeah. um, I, I do love the Sony, but I'm also interested. There are some, you know, our shoot is only going to be three or four days, so I right. think we could find some, some great kits at an affordable rate. But mm-hmm. I always understand that it's the lighting and it's the everything else. Um, and the camera is a tool, but it's not going to make or break the film. Um so I, I mean, you know, kind of say that on the level of professionalism that we're working with now, because right. obviously the camera can make or break it, but I kind of feel like there's a standard that we work by already. And mm-hmm. so we're sure. just looking to explore another option. And we are intending to film a lot of interiors this time around. Mm. And we're looking to okay. start in is it March, March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Great. So the light, and we have a few exteriors too. And so uh, that low lighting is going to. Are, are there are there play, are, are the that see that's exactly why I'm asking you that question, which is low light shooting because when we do independent films mm-hmm. or we do small films, when low light kicks in, a lot of times the lighting is tend to mount. Mm-hmm. So does so the camera yeah. really place a, a great deal of value at that point because I can hear your great yep. writing, but if I can't see you say that great writing, we've got a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've got a bit of a problem yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But your, your last film was, use, it will be... Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, no. Your your last film was incredibly clear. It was very, very mm-hmm. clear and the colors were pungent. I was I was I, I'm just assuming you're gonna do the same thing. Yeah. Wow. You know, the tone to Rogue is so different than Service Road. Um, okay. Even the colors that we're going for is <laughs> very more different. We are going, um, well, actually, we're going for more of a subdued lighting on huh. this. And also, yeah. we are going for more of a, a low lighting feel. But there's a lot of warmth in the interiors. And then there's a lot more blues and purples mm-hmm. for the exteriors. And Have you ever um, seen I, uh, Stanley Kubrick's um, Barry Lyndon? I haven't, but I know it was all lit with natural lighting. Evidently, all, and I know that. Yeah, they're all. It was all candlelight and done with NASA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, done with NASA NASA lenses as well. So, are you going oh, for that that kind NASA of? Lenses. Yeah, point zero eight. Point zero eight. Goodness gracious! Wow, yeah, that, that that's is insane. just a hair's length of a focus. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it's it's just insane to think about. And then he retrofitted on top of these cameras, and they were so pissed off at him that he, he actually uh, got these cameras from I think it was 20th Century Fox because they had him in, in like a like a holding room and they had no idea mm-hmm. how much these things were worth and he just grabbed them from underneath their feet it was hilarious and then he filmed Barry Lyndon so is that is that what you're looking for is like a low light situation where it's more natural yeah I mean that's that I definitely want, want to go look at some of the footage from that film as a reference point um and some oh. other westerns as well that use like the candlelight idea or the gas lamp idea because yeah. yeah we're definitely going to be pushing our camera uh to get that low lighting, but you know like also I mean the whole low lighting thing it's like every scene that you see in a film is lit and it has light and it has mm-hmm. enough exposure to get the right you know get the right look so it's not like we're shooting, you know, the stars and the moon outside. It's like we will have lighting. We will have a proper setup for it. And then yeah. you can control a lot of that in post-production of bringing down colors and doing really good job, a really good job in your color grade. Um, so nice. it's, it's every step of the way, you mm-hmm. know, that you have to be intentional um, with what you're doing. I, I know I, I like full frame. I think that will try to lean in that direction just because right. that's the filmic look. It just, you know, I have, I own, you know, cameras that have crop sensors and they can, they look solid, but it's just not the same as that, that full frame, you know, 35 sure. millimeter look. So oh, I'm going to try to go for that. Yeah. Nice. Is Rogue, is Rogue the project that you're working on next? Is there anything else <laughs> that you're working on next? Uh, anything else we can look forward to? We have a couple of short scripts that we've written that we've had a lot of fun with. Um, one is, I don't know if we should uh, spill the beans on one of them, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's called La Paz, um, and it's uh. actually based on one of our location scouting adventures. <laughs> I talked to you a little bit about this insane um, Airbnb. Airbnb story and when we were at the Sholo Film Festival. And you know what's funny is on our drive home from Sholo, we – we were going through the desert and we were like, wow, you know, we should really just start writing out some, 
some plot points for that. And that was just kind of fun. And we ended up basically doing a treatment for the script. And when we got home about a week later, we had the script done. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So, yeah, we decided to go full horror story on that one, which is a new new branch for us. A new branch for us. And we kind of freaked ourselves out writing it. (laughs) Yeah, it's creepy. And like Sonora said, we can put at the end based on true events. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited because it is based on a true story and I don't think people will believe us, but it really is. It was quite frightening. And it's called it's <laughs> called La Paz. Yeah. Which translates <laughs> to the peace or the quiet, which we think is really great because that's a big part of that story. Let's <laughs> hear it. So, so Sonora, did you did you yeah. go to film school? Where did, where did you go? I did not go to film school. Nope. I um I went to school and I studied a little bit of music. And some business, and that was kind of kind of it. I started working uh, with my dad's business when I was 18, right? And so I've been working in the family business, which is not in the industry. And uh, yeah, that's kind of, uh, electrical contracting and design. That is completely different. It is, yes. Yes. <laughs> that's yeah, a right turn. My, my grandfather, yeah, my grandfather started the business, and then my yeah. my dad took that over and so um my dad and his brothers all work in that industry and so right i was like oh maybe i'll do that too so Mm -hmm. that's been really good just to work with the family do do your family support you in your your dream of of what you're doing right now they do i think they're a little confused um (laughs) okay (laughs) but they definitely do um my dad is always like always interested in the behind the scenes of how we make our films Um, I think I tell him all these crazy stories about what happens like during the pre-production and then during um, actual production. And so when he finally gets to see a finished product, he tells me he has a hard time watching them because all he can hear is me telling (laughs) the stories of what was actually happening in that scene. Yeah. Um, But yeah, my, my dad and my mom are very supportive. Um, My mom, I think even more so she finally, they actually made the trek from San Diego to Sholo, Arizona to watch our film. For the first time, and um, my mom was, I think, a little skeptical about how it was going to be, and then she couldn't stop talking about it afterwards. So it was really (laughs) nice. That was a little Disney movie moment for me. I was like, yeah, it was a victory. Yeah, and my family's always been super on board and they're yeah every our families have come to be like a huge pillar of support for us mm-hmm. yeah yep. that's so nice you know it you is. know yeah. we're, we're we're running out of time really fast you know pe- people think they can't talk for an hour but we obviously can you know, before we go anywhere <laughs> why don't we get your stats and how we can get in touch with you so carly why don't you start first when, tell, tell our, our audience out here right now because we have people waiting to talk to you guys but I'm, I'm actually you know i have got more to talk to you about myself so if you guys want to, if you, if you guys want to, if you guys want to write something on our message board, you can. I also call in 515-602-9609. Let me ask you the question. How can we get in touch with you? How can, how can we watch your stuff, watch your future projects? Carly, you start first. So we have a production company website called eagleandchildproductions.com. And that is our production company name is Eagle and Child Productions. And so we have first a question website is why? Why the name? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I'm a huge C.S. Lewis nerd, to be honest with you. I love C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And okay. he I love C.S. Lewis. was in this Oh yeah. He was in this writing group with J.R.R. Tolkien and um, he was. some other writers. I think yes. C.S. Eliot I think was there too. And they uh-huh. used to meet up at this pub in Oxford 
called The Eagle and Child. That was the name of How the How dare you be clever? How dare you be clever? How dare you? Did you know about this before you asked the question? I'm, I'm clutching my pearls. I am offended. <laughs> oh. Because it's just so good, right? We love being cute. <laughs> So tell, so tell us more about how, how can we get in touch with you? Yeah. Oh, and then also we have Instagram. We're big on Instagram and our, uh, our handle is at EAC film. So it's the letters EAC film. That's the easiest way you can reach out. And then um, from there, Sonora and I both have our personal accounts, I think listed or linked, mm-hmm. um, which um, I'm, you can follow me. I'm Carly Miller film and Sonora is Sonora Lace, yep. I think. And uh yeah, so Instagram's a great way of getting in touch and just uh, keeping up with our projects. We post a lot about things when we're at festivals or during filming. So yeah, I'd it was really that. it was really easy to get you on the radio show. It only took me five months. I know. <laughs> I got you. We're so happy we're here. We're, this is amazing. Happy, so thank you so much for having us. Thank you for being on the well, show. Now, now that we got now that we get all that stuff out of the way, let me ask you the real questions. Like, what was your favorite movie of the year? Ooh, Ooh interesting. Um, Nora, you want to go first? No. Okay, I'll, I'll let you think. Um, so, my favorite movies of the year were Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tarantino okay. film, why? and uh, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Yep. Hold, hold on, I know why. I know why Little Women. I saw it, so we don't. I don't need to ask you that question. <laughs> But I want to ask why the Quentin Tarantino film. Okay. Um, well, you know, I have a mixed, I have mixed feelings on Tarantino in general. I, I, sometimes I don't like the violence or the excessiveness of his movies. And I really enjoyed that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was really more like a meditation on Hollywood. It was very um, measured and, and kind of slow paced and really about yep. the characters. Um cinematography and production design were incredible. It was just executed so beautifully. Brad Pitt was so charismatic and I really liked the ending (laughs) to be honest with you. Yeah, the ending was nice. It was a nice ending and it was just interesting and and, uh, unusual. Very. It was very unusual. It was unique. Sonora, Sonora, how about you? What are two of your favorite films of the year? (laughs) Um, well, Carly kind of stole it for me. I definitely would say Little Women. I recently got to watch it, and I, I yeah. went into it a little skeptical, and it just won me over. I fell in did love with it. Did you cry? Oh, I did. Yes, I did cry. Of course you, you cried. Everybody cries. Everybody cries. Gosh. How can you not like, cry when she dies? Cry. Were you cold? You uh-huh. cold in the heart? You cold in the soul? You didn't. You know what I mean? That was, when <laughs> when she cries, it's. You. If you didn't cry. Yeah, I know. Cry. Are you all right? You're, you're dead inside. <laughs> Are you okay? I think so. <laughs> well, apparently we're all doing great because we all cry. Yes, Good we're job, all healthy. Really okay, so <laughs> so Little Women was one of them, and what's the other one? Oh, I don't know. I I really that's the one that's really sticking out for me. Anything in the Marvel? Oh God, well, world or... Marvel's always killing it. I happen to love Marvel. Yeah, they're murdering they that die. one. Yeah, Endgame was fantastic. You know, if Endgame were to be considered, it would have uh, won the presidency. <laughs> So, oh yeah, you know. they did a good job with Endgame. It was pretty good. Yeah, my film is 1917. Uh, I loved the World yeah. War, World War One flick. 1917 was was my favorite film of the entire year. Very good. My favorite, yeah, my favorite TV show of the entire year was The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian was an, I heard an ex- about it. Women, men directors. It's it's really class A directing and writing, production value, everything. It's it's 
it's what you think the world would look like in about 20 years in my brain. So it's, it's a strange wow. thing to say that, but because you have a lot of men and women in there, it's, it's like directing like really great episodes. Like you have yeah. to blame it on the group. You can't blame it on an agenda. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. I've heard great things about the Mandalorian. I definitely need to catch up on it. Yeah. Well guys, it was, it was great having you on the show. We loved having you. Thank you so much for being here. We can't wait for, for you to be, more successful and come on in again and forget who we are so we can okay. just try this whole thing all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds great. It's been awesome. You next asked time. lovely questions. Yeah. And next Thank time you. we can do this whole thing but from Priscilla's. Yes. <laughs> oh that oh that'd be amazing. Well you guys are wonderful guests and, and we love you a lot. We're gonna we're gonna watch you on Instagram. We're gonna watch you uh, on on Facebook. We're gonna watch everything you do. From this point on, and hopefully in uh, five years' time, you'll be winning your first Oscars. Oh, yeah. There we go. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. We'll talk to you soon. All right, girl. Have a great day. All right. Have a you good too. day. You Bye. That was Carly and Sonora. Thank you, Carly and Sonora. Have a great day. All right, boys and girls, we are done for the weekend. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. This has been Central Files Radio. How was your day? Did you enjoy it? We had Heather. We had Carly. We had Sonora. We had a lot of great guests on today. Said a lot of thoughtful things. You know, remember what Heather said about being on set for about 12 to 18 hours. One of the reasons why she said that was she's likable. People like her. They want her to be on set. Carly and, and Sonora said the exact same thing. One of the reasons why Sonora is really rising to the top is because of her likability and because people want to be around her. So you're seeing these common themes around a lot of these great artists that it is important to stand out. It is important to be strong and within yourself, but it's also incredibly important to be likable, trustable. People want to be near you. People want to see you the next day. People want to have lunch with you at craft services. These things are incredibly important, and they're giving you every single answer you would ask them yourself if you wanted to be successful. So listen to them. Listen to all the ladies we have on here. Today was an excellent episode. All right. This is your host, Steve Pisa. This is Central Files Radio. Thank you so much, and have a blessed Sunday.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.